Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. It's the day after Christmas, and I hope everyone had a, a nice day yesterday. I thought I would do a little follow-up podcast because in the previous episode, I discussed some of the difficulties of being an older homeschool mom and you know, learning to let my kids go and trust them to God. And I don't remember everything I said, but basically I'm learning to, um, you know, stop being so involved in their lives and just trusting that they can make their own decisions. And just like I did, just like you did, um, sometimes they're going to make bad decisions and sometimes they're going to suffer consequences and that's okay because that's how people learn and grow and we just pray for them that they won't do anything um, too bad, right? Well, so it's really amazing to me the way that God pulled, pulled everything together so I, I didn't I don't want to share all the personal details, but basically um I got a I called one of my kids and my our conversation was basically they were refusing to talk to me and told me they didn't wanna see me or my husband and you know it was just it was a very hurtful conversation. And I had no idea why. And I just didn't know why this child was acting like this. And this particular child has had a lot of emotional um, um, struggles. So I was very worried about their well-being. But, you know, I wrestled, I wrestled with this and I wrestled with um, trusting God and it dawned on me today that that whole situation, it had to happen. It was necessary. And sometimes, you know, we, we in, the, in the moment when we're suffering or feeling pain, hurt, heart pain, heartbreak, we don't, you know, we don't like to think that any, we don't believe that anything good could come out of such a situation. But, you know, the older we get, we should try to remember those times because if we, if we become more self-aware and more aware of how God is working in our lives, we can start to notice the pattern. And the pattern is often that at, at a peak moment, at a crisis moment, That's when you are being called by God to trust him. And if you make the mistake like I've done many times throughout my life of trying to hold on control rather than trusting God, then a lot of times things will actually get worse instead of because you're not you are not leaving room for God to do what he needs to do in another person's life. 
And sometimes that means that you have to suffer a loss of control and maybe even feeling confused and not understanding why things are happening the way they are. But if you just be patient, God will, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, when it's all said and done, you will be able to look back and you will say, oh, that's what God was doing. God was working in that person and you just didn't know. You didn't have all these all the information, so it all seemed confusing at the time. So, <clears throat> to be more specific, um, you know, so with, when this child told me that they did not want to see me, you know, um, that hurt my feelings. It made me feel sad as a mother. It made me feel like a bad mother and, like, you know, why is this happening? Why can't, you know... Why does my child, is my child rejecting me? And, you know, and I was like, okay, these are, you know, it took, I had to wrestle with this, this situation. And some of the things that came to my mind was, you know what? This isn't about me. This is some, this is about him. And I need to stop worrying about my feelings. And I need to understand he's going through something that's not about me. And I was, you know, that conversation was just a, you know, he wasn't purposely trying to hurt me. He was trying to be nice and tell me, look, I just don't want to talk to you, but I wouldn't leave him alone. And I I just like, you know, wanted to know, well, why not? And so, you know, really, I, I should have just never called him in the first place, but I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen. But the good thing that came out of it was I did, you know, I did have kind of a day where I was really emotional and sad and all that. So I was able to reach out to my husband and my husband was able to, you know, talk to me. But then God did a funny thing and he put a podcast in front of me and I just happened to click on that podcast and I was like, you know, it was very, quote, random, right? But I don't believe in coincidences. I know that God wanted me to listen to this podcast. And so it was a podcast about emotional intelligence. And so this this guy, he he's like 50 years old, and now he is like a coach, a, a transformational coach. And he talked about how when he was a kid, he... um he did not learn how to deal with his emotions and he always tried to be in control. You know, I can really relate to the guy. You know, he he felt like he had to keep the peace in the family and you know, in my in my own family it was a big family and one of my brothers was you know, kind of a troubled teenager. So there was a lot of chaos and conflict. And as a child, that scared me. So I developed a habit of trying to keep the peace. And I've, you know, been become a people pleaser. And that's what this guy was talking about on this podcast was that he had become a people pleaser. And it wasn't until he was around 30 or so, he was a very successful businessman, but he had no emotional intelligence. And he basically had a breakdown, I mean, 
mentally, he was extremely depressed. But he was still, you know, rich, but he just like quit performing in his life. And he didn't really understand what was happening. And then some things happened and he began to become more self-aware of his own, you know, limited emotional uh, intelligence. And he learned some better things. And now he teaches those to other people. So I listened to that podcast and I was like, wow. Oh, and the guy was a Christian too. He was, had gone to many, you know, had been going to church all his life, really thought he was like a super Christian, you know? And, um, this guy's name, uh, I'm going to have to look it up, but anyway, so I listened to that podcast and then I listened to another podcast, uh, so he was a guest on that particular podcast. And then I listened to his podcast because he also had a podcast. And he had a guest. So I'm listening to his guest. And uh, trying to remember his name, name of his podcast. He, um, the guest used a term that I was like, what does this even mean? I don't really know what this word means. And so I started thinking about this word. And the word was, well, the guy he was talking to was saying, you know, when when you're with someone that will hold space for you, then you have, then you can, you know, you can get better, you can work on your problems. And I was like, hold space. What is hold space, you know? And I I have this thing where I really don't like slangy words like that, that not everyone knows what they mean. But the fact is, every generation creates new language. And holding space is just one of those words that the millennials have created. And so I looked it up and I was like, okay, well, I, I didn't look it up. I just thought about it. But then today I looked it up so I could share with you exactly what it means. And in it, holding space really is, it's a good thing. And it's something that we as boomers and other people who don't hold space really need to learn how to do. Because as Christians, and I'm going to tell you what it is in just a minute, but as Christians, I think some of us were, we observed very bad examples as children, as growing up in the church, we became too quick to judge people on the one hand and to try to fix people on the other hand, but there wasn't a not, there was not a lot of letting, giving people time to work through their issues. And really giving people time for God to work on them is what holding space is all about, at least in my definition. So I'm going to just call this Christian space holding. How's that? So what that means is that you 
You don't change your beliefs to fit someone else's. It's not like that. It's not that you say that there are multiple truths or many ways to to God or anything like that. You don't have to change your doctrine. All you're doing is, is allowing God to work in that person's life. And the reason that's important is because when we are too quick to rush in, when we f- say we find out that someone is having uh, gender confusion or homosexual urges or um, thinking about, you know, it has is being in unfaithful or, you know, just any kind of sin, any kind of sin or... Or say someone is just depressed or um, drinking a lot or, you know, I mean, as humans, we have so many ways to be self-destructive. And we know as Christians that the devil is right there. You know, what does he do? He, He encourages us to sin and then he makes us feel like unforgivable. So as Christians, we have to be careful not to add on to the unforgivable part. We have to make room for that person to become aware of their sin without feeling judged to the point where they will either hate themselves or they will hold on to their sin even more out of a... um, a kind of a stubbornness, you know, like, oh, well, you can't make me change kind of a thing. But when we hold space for that person, we give them room to decide to to do something different. Because sometimes when we are too, like, involved in their lives, then they're not going to change because they just want to spite us. And I think that there's a lot of people right now and Trust me, I have read some, a lot of articles. (laughs) I spend a lot of time online reading articles of people who do not believe in God, people who hate capitalism, people who think that America is this evil nation. And I think a lot of that, we kind of created that problem. And... I'm not going to, you know, be able to solve the problem in this one episode, but I do think that holding space for people is one thing we can do to possibly reduce the amount of division in the world right now and and the amount of um, antipathy towards Christianity, because if we don't hold space, we then people are not going to come to church. And they're not even going to want to let you even talk about, yeah, my church is awesome. I mean, even if you're not preaching to them, they're they're just going to reject you completely if they know that you're a Christian. So let me, uh, let me read to you. This is an article I found on the internet called What Holding Space for Others Means. And it says, the definition of holding space is to be present with someone without judgment. It means that you 
Give your eye, your ears, and your heart without asking anything in return. It involves practicing empathy and compassion. You listen and you do not share your own needs and opinions. In other words, you are giving them room for all of their own problems and and not trying to fix them and not trying to tell them why you know the right way to do it and why your way is better or your particular experience in fixing that problem or anything. You just let them talk and you listen. And, you know, maybe you ask some questions, but there's nothing, there's no pressure. And like it says, holding space may seem is easy, but sometimes our own egos get in the way, making it more difficult to put into practice. Learning how to hold space is a skill that most people are not taught, but we can learn it. So here are a few things that you can do to get started on the road to holding space for those who need it. Number one, start by practicing deep listening. Deep listening is the art of listening not just to the words that people say, but the things that they don't say. Think about, okay, is there something they're afraid to say out loud because they think you're going to judge them if they're completely honest with you? So it's learning to... um, feel, feel the other person's situation. So it's deep listening. And number two, listening without judgment. The true definition of non-judgmental is that we do not express an opinion, even though we have them. Even if you know that what they're saying doesn't make sense or it's, you know, not logical or whatever, you just let them get it out. Because a lot of times getting the getting something out of our system is is necessary before we can begin to actually heal. And I kind of think of it as popping a zit. Sometimes you have to pop the zit or rip a scab off and put some and then you can begin to heal that skin or that wound. And, you know, because there's, there's um, infection trapped in our hearts. And whenever we judge people, we don't allow them to get that infection out so they can heal. Okay, number three, practice loving kindness. Loving kindness means... Um, just really, it just means caring about people, cultivating compassion and love for all of God's creation. I mean, all the people, you don't know if that person is going to be saved or not. Just because they're not a Christian yet doesn't mean that God isn't going to save them. So you don't want to get in his way. So just love them. That's what Jesus told us to do. Yes, that Sometimes love means being brutally honest, but a lot of times it means just being kind. Okay, and and loving a non-Christian usually looks different than loving a person who is a committed Christian. Uh, 
if you are both Christians, then love is going to look different. It's going to be, you know, you're, you can quote scripture and you can point out the sins a little bit more easily to someone who already believes in Jesus. But if you're talking to someone who has turned their back on God or has never believed in Jesus, then you can't just go straight to quoting scripture. And number five, use the power of your breath. I don't really know what that means, but I know that when I'm extremely anxious and I'm having a confrontation or a conversation that's difficult, breathing is very important to keep my heart rate down and to just keep my mind clear. A lot of times we hold our breath. So be careful that you're not sitting there holding your breath if you're dealing with a difficult situation. And sometimes, you know, if you think the other person um, would be okay with you saying it, you can say that out loud. Let's just take a deep breath. Because sometimes they're not breathing either. Okay, number six, I think, is the most important one for me that I've had to struggle with is let go of the fix-it mentality. Our natural instinct in most cases is to offer solutions when we see people in pain. And sometimes we mention things that that might make us feel better. But if you are doing if you're holding space, you're not going to do that during that time. You're just there to listen. The process of moving through pain is very individual, and if you are there as a person who wants to hold space, The only way past the pain is to allow it. And I think that is something that many of us boomers learned was it was just not not just, um, well, just to stuff our pain. You know, we were never allowed to even acknowledge that we were suffering. We were just supposed to be positive all the time. And we, we grew up in the era the power of positive thinking. Where was the where was the book that said the power of learning to feel your pain so you can move past it? You know, no one ever told me, look, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. Just don't stay in that place forever. <laughs> you know, get it out and then be ready to, you know, to breathe and say, okay, you know, because a lot of times a good hard cry can make you feel better under the right circumstances. And I think if, if you're with someone who is just really hurting and you just hold them and let them cry and just say, I'm here for you, and you don't put any expectations on them or any pressure to make them feel better. You just say, wow, this is so hard. Or I, I'm here for you. And you know, you don't, you have to be so careful not to try to fix it. And that is definitely not something that I picked up as a, um, you know, a, a, a boomer. And especially in my family, in my family, 
um, there was a lot of emotional pain, but you, you weren't supposed to talk about it. It was just, just keep, you know, so, you know, my family ended up having a lot of drug and alcohol abuse and, you know, and I think that's because we were all stuffing our feelings and we didn't, instead of learning like healthy coping skills and good communication and, and understanding other people's feelings and, um, not being afraid. I think that the fear is that if you have a feeling that you are going to lose control. Like if I start to cry, I'm never going to stop. So what do people do? They use anger to repress their sadness. And I've, you know, I've seen that a lot in one of my kids that he gets really angry, but that's because he feels powerful. He feels control and if he was to just uh, go with the sadness, he's afraid that he'll, he won't survive. But like I said, um, I didn't, <laughs> I would have never even thought about this concept of holding space if my child had not treated me like that. And then, then God led me to this podcast, you know, I was just scrolling Facebook. I mean, I literally had taken Facebook off my phone and I put it back on there and I went to my Christian podcast uh, group to see what was up and, or maybe I was on my Spotify app. Either way, somehow I came across this podcast and I was like, hmm, let's see what this is about. Um, and then, you know, um, I started, you know, looking more into emotional intelligence and listening and, and just, you know, li- you may be listening to this right now and you may be feeling um, resistant to this idea. You may be afraid that if you hold space for someone in the way that I just described, if you give someone room that they will take advantage of you, that they will... Um, you know, continue making bad choices or whatever. But I'm not saying that you hold space and that's all you ever do. But it sometimes it's the appropriate thing to do when someone is very um, distressed. They need to know that in that moment, you're not going to, you're not going to interfere. And like I said, I really think this is a, spiritual thing that we need to allow God to work in that person's life. And if we cannot just put some tape over our mouth and keep our, keep our Mr. Fix-It, you know, words to ourselves or, or our judgmental words or our angry words, you know, we, people do not need to hear, um, it's a sin to be depressed or why can't you just grow up or you are so, you're, why, you know, they don't need to hear anything negative. People are already hating on themselves when they're in a situation like that. So we don't need to be afraid. I mean, we don't need to be afraid that giving, holding space is going to make the problem worse because the problem is already worse. But what's going to make it worse is if we do not hold space. So if we hold space, which in, 
My definition means giving God time to work in their hearts. Then we don't get in the way of God doing a miracle. And let me just tell you, I had a Christmas miracle. Yesterday, that child showed up at my house and we had this wonderful day together. My whole family had a wonderful day. And another thing that happened in this um, before that, before my child came home, is that my husband and I had some very good talks about this child and about feelings and about how we were raised and things like that. We talked about, you know, communication and things like that. And in the course of that conversation, I felt God, I just felt like I needed to tell my husband, look, we just need to give him time to work through these things, just like we needed time when we were that age. And my husband was like, yes, you're right. So we had this great conversation. So yesterday, Christmas Day, all my children were home. And my husband and I, we have never been so quiet. <laughs> we, we have always been a little too talkative with our kids and like always like trying to, I don't know, be know-it-alls, I guess. I mean, typical, the, the kind of boomer that millennials hate, right? We were, you know, our way was always the best way and, you know, to different varying degrees, but we are finally learning that our kids are adults and we have to let them have their own opinions and we have to let them live their lives and stop trying to, you know, turn them into copies of ourselves. So yesterday I noticed that my husband was really being on his best behavior (laughs) and there was no political talk at all. And I was trying to be really good about like giving my kids literal space and letting them spend more time with each other and not being like hovering around, wanting to be included and, you know, because, you know, I really love my kids and I want to spend time with them because I like hanging out with them. But I was like, you know what? I need to let them hang out with each other because it had been a while since they had all been together. And if you don't know me in real life, I have five sons. So all five of my sons were home and they were all getting, you know, reconnecting because it's been a long year for everyone. And, you know, it was just a, it was like a Christmas miracle. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing to just be all together. No criticism, no judgment, no sarcasm, no... um you know, trying to tell somebody where how they're wrong about something or whatever. There was a lot of music and laughing. And, you know, after what happened last week, I would call this a miracle. So I just want to say, wrapping this up, the next time you're confronted with, you know, someone who's angry at you, Try to hold space and let, you know, 
try to realize that it's probably not about you. It might not be about you. Now, of course, maybe it is about you. Maybe there's something you need to change and maybe you need to apologize, which by the way, my son apologized to me for that conversation. And I just told him, you know, I wasn't mad at him, but you know, it, holding space doesn't mean that you don't, you, you, you have to have your own self-awareness and people who are aware of their own feelings are much better at being able to allow other people to have feelings. And, you know, that might mean holding space for your parent. If you're a self-aware young person and your, and your parents are very, you know, uptight and unself-aware, hold space for them. You know, we all need to be more forgiving and more loving and compassionate and empathetic. And that's what we need in this world. You know, we, we want peace in the world. Then we need to be the peace. We want love. We need to show love. We want people to be patient. We need to be patient. You know, we want to be forgiven. Then we need to forgive. That was the message of Jesus. And when Jesus came... When Jesus was born, he brought that light into the world. He is the light of the world. So let the light shine through you. Be, because you're already saved if you're a Christian. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to fight. You just not need to let God's love shine through you. And the more patiently you do it, the the more the faster it works and the more the more you try to fix someone in your own power with your own human wisdom even if it comes from the bible i mean if you're like quoting scripture at the wrong time what did paul say you know that you're like a clanging gong or whatever i forget the verse but if you don't have love none of those other gifts matter so even if you can Read, you know, if you have the whole Bible memorized, if you don't use that that information, that scripture, in a loving way, then it's like a weapon. So you don't want to weaponize God's word. That that would be something that the devil would do, right? So anyway, I I'm just really I just love God so much because. He just never fails to amaze, to amaze me in, in his ways. And, and Before you go, I wanted to give you the names of the podcasts that I listen to. The first one is called Halfway There with Eric Nivens, and it was episode 321. And then the second one is The EQ Gangster. And lastly, before you go, I wanted to emphasize the importance that holding space is, does not mean being passive. So what do you do while you are simply listening and giving someone space for God to work? You are praying for them. And you can even tell them, I'll be praying for you. But be careful not to add any any other judgmental or fit Mr. Fix-It comments if you do tell them that you're going to pray for them. Because really the most important thing is just giving them room 
giving God room and giving them room. Giving room, giving them room to hear from God because they're not too busy listening to what you have to say. (laughs) So um, I hope that you can understand what I mean by holding space as a Christian because I know that some people may feel like it's not doing enough or that, you know, we have been told as Christians all our lives that, you know, it's our job to evangelize, it's our job to share the gospel and all that, and that is true, but in a crisis or in an emotionally volatile moment is probably not the right time to try to uh, evangelize. We, we need to we need to know when when is the right moment. So anyway, I just wanted to add that. Thanks for listening. I'm just thankful. So I really hope you all have a great week and a happy new year. I'm probably going to do another podcast for the new year, but until then, hold space and hold space for yourself because if no one's holding space for you, hold space for yourself. Love yourself just like Jesus loves you. All right. Thanks for listening to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. Bye now.